Hey everybody and welcome to episode 68 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys, welcome to episode 68 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Hope you're all good. Hope you're well. Um, yeah, I mean, the last couple of shows been getting phenomenal feedback from them. The last one with Sal Diffistano as well from Mind Pump covered a lot of interesting topics, especially around the divorce, around um, how he's putting healthy habits into his kids and how he's dealing with electronics and that being a big part of their life. So, all good stuff. Um, as always, guys, head on over to www.reviveyourself.co if any of you got a chronic issue for our free four-day mini course and um, send me an email at ryan at reviveyourself.co if you're dealing with any issues that need um, some one-on-one um, consultations and we can go into what we can help you with there. Uh, as always, like chronic, chronic disease, any chronic issue, uh, diabetes, um, IBS, Crohn's, etc., skin issues, we'll be able to help you with that. Um, but today's guest today's episode is with john hyatt um john it was a uh, workforce development officer and global coach for tottenham hotspurs um a couple of years ago he then got poached to go and become head of football at royal russell which is a prestigious uh, private school where he had a phenomenal record of developing young players he's now a sport and education consultant and has his own company called h2d um, sports management h2d sports management um where he's where he helps both um, amateur and professional players develop their, their game. Um, he, he He's a football coach, but he works a lot on movement, developing youngsters, and he's been around the professional environment for a while. So I wanted to get John on the show, really, to talk about what he's seen different um what you've seen in the professional setups the last few years um in both well professional and in the schooling setup and to see the differences you may have seen uh, across the board with um the children in terms of their concentration their movement their development um now that people are swapping organic whole foods for ready meals etc microwave foods um, and processed foods so it's going to be an interesting chat uh, I've known John for a long while he's been he's been one of my closest friends for a long while and he's uh, gone on to great things I mean he's been around the world with Tottenham and coached kids all over so it'd be great to get him on the show so without further ado here's John and I'll see you on the other side so Mr John Hyatt welcome to the studio welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast how are you doing today mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. That's right, mate. It's uh, it's good to. Well, actually, you're the first guest I've had in studio. Um, done a couple of face to face, but no one's been in the studio, so you should feel privileged. Oh no, I feel hugely privileged. This is uh, exciting to go live. No, it's um. So today we want to talk about. I mean, you've been in the professional setup, in the coaching, in the coaching world for now for. For for a while, man. I know you've been around both professional setups and the schooling setup. So, um, really, though, how did for the people out there just wondering, like, how did you get into professional coaching and working with with, with children and professional athletes? What was what was the route route there for you? Um, 
God, God, it's very stereotypical. That also, I used to play football. Um, weren't very good at it, hence the reason why I never made it. At, um, I played for Colchester at youth level. Um, been around the scene with like Leighton Orient, and the last club I was with was Chelsea. Um, and then dabbled in non-league. Um, I've always had kind of leadership attributes. I've always been a you know kind of a captain wherever I've gone, or I've always had to manage a team wherever I've gone. And I started coaching at a real young age. So when I was 16, 17, I was, I was working with um, a guy called Andy Edwards, who's now working for England, um, doing primary schools. And that was my first taste. And if I had to be honest, that was the bug. You know, working with young children that you can see want to develop. They love what you're doing and what you're teaching them. And God, you know, 15, 16 years later, I can't can't look back and, and regret anything. I absolutely love what I do. Cool. Just to let you know, guys, we've got cups of peppermint tea here, so if we do take swigs, we apologise. But no, no, I get where you're coming from. I mean, they always say the the best coaches are almost the athletes that didn't quite make it to the top um, because they've got a lot of unfinished business. And a lot of the time as well, the people that are at the top have got phenomenal talent to get them through, but they and that seems and they always say that hard work beats talent, but. Obviously, the ones that stay at the top, people like in, in football, for example, but like Ronaldo, Messi, and they've got other sports like Johnny Wilkinson in rugby, for example, Dan Carter. They got phenomenal talent and a phenomenal phenomenal work rate. Whereas um, some of the ones that stay around uh, or just don't get quite, not quite there. They've got talent, but it's their hard work that keeps them at the top, um, keeps them persevering. So uh, I guess that's sort of where you're coming from there. But when where where was obviously you started working you a bit younger where, what was the progression like where did you go um to university did you did you do coaching at university what happened there yeah so i went to hartbury college um and i studied the bsc honors degree in, in coaching science um, and conditioning um and i was still playing still playing semi-professional and dabbling with some coaching with um like kind of the the third 11 or the c team at the time um started to work with the girls football team there as well um, and then finally when I, I did my Masters at University of Gloucestershire in Sports Development that was when I, I really kind of thought you know what I need to kind of watch the back door and I could have you know a really enjoyable life playing football you know the game that I love and enjoy um, and coach and I took Leighton FC because um, I was playing playing there as well and I took their under 18s um, and there's a lot of players there that I look on that, that have really kicked on in the game um, and then that led me into the industry so after Working at, at Leighton FC, I, was, I then went in to, to work for St Albans City Football Club, um, and they they set up their kind of college program, and it was one of the first college programs in the country, um, and that's where I really learned my trade through a coach called Steve Castle, um, and and Mark Peters, um, and that was my first taste of both developing older age players, sixteen to eighteen, for a longer period of time, um, in a in a more structured setting. But also, I was doing a lot with the the first team down at St Albans as well, and, and helping support the coaching staff there and seeing what kind of new ideas we we could have. Um, I mean, you know, as as you said, my, my journey's been a kind of a real wave of coming out of football and going into coaching. I kind of I'm, I'm a firm believer that kind of you learn through your experiences, and what that allowed me to do was I learned from kind of my failures and, and what was missing in my game, to then put into kind of new theories of learning and new styles new content um, of how to develop players and I've always continued to, to learn no matter what you know every year I, I put myself on some type of course um, every summer you know I'm picking up books and, and kind of keeping up with current trends and then put them into my application 
No, mate, it's, uh, that's a huge thing, you know. I always say in the health industry, it's, all, it's the same. It's as much an art as it is a science, you know. You can, you've got these people that are hugely book smart, but they've never been through an issue themselves, and I know that I work with my clients. One of the things is having been there myself, knowing what they've been through, trying different routes, trying things on myself, knowing what works, what doesn't. It's, I mean, it's priceless personal experience, right? And as you said, then you're, and when it's your passion, you're learning. It's not even like a job. You're, mm. you're taking things, you're taking courses, you're just seeing what works, seeing what, you say, what Bruce Lee says, you know, um, use what works, discard what doesn't, and then make something uniquely your, your own, you know? It's like, and that's all part of it. And so I can 100%, I mean, oh, no, 100%, yeah. I mean, you put me through a session the other day and I was saying that like, it was, it was, well, it was awesome. It was tiring. It was, it used everything to that. This is one of the things when I went and played rugby in New Zealand as well, it was the difference between what I did from my rugby background in England. Um, difference was in England, it would be like strength and conditioning rugby. When I was younger, the coaches concentrated on the ball, but as I got older, it got a lot more about the conditioning side and a lot less about the ball. Whereas in New Zealand, everything we did was ball orientated, and that's why they're so good. And what we did on Saturday, having moved into football now and playing with our team or whatever, it was all to do with the ball, um, using the ball, getting used to the ball, manipulating it, and and you know once you can you you'll feel what one with a ball, it's much better. And I know you're it's different things are that. What what else? I mean, because I want to go into journey a little bit, but like what. What else do you, as a coach, you know, because this is why it's so interesting because all sport has a, a personal development side as well and it also has a health aspect, which is what we want to get onto because I know we've got a lot of listeners here that will have young kids and maybe even sports, sportsmen themselves that they want to get into the game. But what else do you see yourself reading and learning outside of football? Firstly, I mean, it's, it's really interesting that, the, you know, the first thing you said about kind of being book smart and, and obviously, I mean, I don't know if your your clients know that you very much, I've known you the large majority of my life, you very much are book smart, you know. I'm, for those listeners that are out there, I, I'm not necessarily book smart and I used to not necessarily hate reading, but I wasn't very good at reading and it took me a long time to read and, you know, there's it, something that I've had to learn myself. So I have, you know, I, I rely a lot on kind of documentaries, podcasts. I mean, podcasts now are fantastic listening to with people's experiences and sharing that and picking up and learning. Um, I mean, you've got so many resources now um, in the in the form of kind of like YouTube and SoundCloud when you're listening to, to what people have got to say. But obviously a lot of information still comes from books. Um, when I first... It's, it's funny, my journey, there's, there's a pedagogy that starts that kind of came from your experience. Um... And I don't think we've never we've never really touched on this because you know both our lives go so quick from from when we were thirteen year olds. But your journey coming back from Canterbury and you telling me about that experience and I don't know if you're listen you know your listeners know that Ryan was obviously you know League One rugby very talented young rugby player um, and his experience in Canterbury was one of a real positive nature that really developed him as a person and I learned from that experience and I put that into my practice and. My concept when I go out and consult is developing young athletes, even professional athletes, and developing them as a whole, as a whole person. Now, that's not just looking at their performance abilities, but also what contributes that performance ability off the pitch. And some of the key skills you learn out in Canterbury, you know, financial skills, social skills, communication skills, that I think that we're still behind in the UK on developing them, especially within the education sector, especially within education, within professional elite academies whether that be football whether it be rugby or whether that be cricket um, it's something that we're really behind on um, and that's something that I really promote and I, you know, I work with clubs I work with schools and developing life skills programs developing their sports programs to really help support 
producing young people ready for society, life after sport, um, because that's what's helped my journey. You know, I've had to adapt. I've had to pick up <coughs> key literature. I've had to p- pick up key new scientific evidence, new trends to put into my practice, but that's only come through me developing myself. Um, you know, and, and th- you know, something that I love about your podcast is developing the person as a whole. There's a huge, huge factor that's missing in this country that, you know, we're kind of in that little bit of a, a hangover of previous kids now because they're so, this, this generation younger than us is so into computers. I mean, you, you, you walk around Westfield, you walk around the shopping centre and you're seeing two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old kids holding iPads and playing with iPads. Now, that subsidiary, subsidiary lifestyle is larger than ever and less kids now are playing on the street, playing in their garden, picking up a football in that sense because they're more glued to TV, internet, YouTube and iPads. Now, if we can kind of work with those young people to kind of open their eyes up and develop key assets, kind of that helps them with their future employment, that helps them with their, you know, as I was going through yourself in the, in the practical session, working with their motor control, their agility, their balance, their coordination, and but also getting them at that young age to understand their body and the need for physical activity is, is huge. Um, and then the icing on the cake is obviously listen to everything that you do. By the way, jump in, don't just like, yeah, because no, no, no. you've been, it's, um, you know, when you're talking about diet and nutrition, you know, Jamie, you know, Jamie, um, Oliver. Yeah, Jamie Oliver, you know, promoted huge on TV about diets, especially within the schools. I think we need to make parents and we need to make young children aware of that more by helping them with plans. Because ultimately, if your young boy, young girl wants to be an athlete, then they need to look after their body and fuel their bodies correctly. And there's just so many things that are being misconstrued in society or being hidden from us that people don't need you know aren't aware about that ultimately impacts our performance whether we're an eight-year-old or whether we're a 28 year old no no 100 percent. and we were talking about this uh well i sell deeper styler one for mind mind pump the other uh last week and we was talking about how he's seen it in his kids like just just from just from taking them away from having their phone or, or their or their laptop on whenever they want to four hours a week and he's, he said that, I mean, but one of the things he was talking about me off air was, he gives him four hours. Now his son will save up that four hours and use it all on a Saturday and play with his friends. And his, and his daughter will maybe like use half an hour a day or whatever. Um, and look, you said before, you said before, books, I, I, I can read, but I love to listen to podcasts and and things on YouTube. And that's one of the things he said, look, if they're, if they're learning, that's fine. They can sit there and learn. But if they're using it for anything that's not, yeah, you know, and it's ruining their posture, they're overlooking at their phone the whole time like this, yeah, they're, they're, they're looking at a screen that's ruining their eyes, all these other And as you're talking about, with, with a diet, the thing with a diet that's huge is, you can tell a kid what to eat, but as I've been before, we are, as humans, we're great imitators. That's why you go into the movies you watch the film and you come out speaking and moving like you're action hero. You know, you know it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> no, right? of course you do. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. You do. So you're seeing these kids. You can tell your kid not to eat the sweets, and then he sees you eating them. He says, "Well, what's going on?" So as parents listening to this, you've got young. I mean, kids are great imitators. They're going to learn. It's the by same. Example. It's the same with teachers and coaches. Yep. It's exactly the same with teachers and coaches. It's the same with CEOs, CFOs. GMs, you know, you've got to practice le- what you le- it, People say like your attitude stinks. Well, attitude reflects leadership, coach. You know, and so if you're if you're not doing this, and this is why I want to get you on because you're seeing this, you're in the trenches, you're mm-hmm. seeing these youngsters. I mean, and just and just like how's there? I mean, I'm guessing you're dealing with people that are reasonably committed anyway. But like, I mean, when you were at when you were at um, Tottenham, what what ages were you dealing with there? 
So I really ranged. You know, I'd work with soccer schools. So there you've got boys and girls, young ages from the age of eight um, through to kind of 11, 12. But the youngest group I ever worked with was we piloted me and um, another top young coach, excellent young coach, his assistant manager at Leighton Oye called Ross Embleton. Me and Ross Embleton piloted a parent football program for three to five-year-olds. Now, you know, there's a bit of a controversy there. You can say, well, that's too young. But when I say that, obviously, it's it's coaching in its rawest sense. You know, I, I, you can't argue that there's a similarity or difference between entertaining or an entertainer and a teacher and a coach. Mm. And if you think there are differences, then maybe you don't really know the pedagogy or both because they, they are. If you want people to learn, you have to be entertaining. You want to sell because you want them to come back. Now, those sessions for three to five-year-olds, you know, I was very much a, you know, I was a clown, but I'd take them through a journey and that was the journey of learning. You know, I'd create stories that they'd be part of and it was a well, active way of can learning. I, can I say that, mate? This is something that we talk about with Paul Check a lot. He talks about, look, um, I was listening to him the other day and I'm getting back on soon and he was talking about the mathematical way that we're taught in schools is only applicable to 8% of people. Yeah, yeah. The rest of us learn through auditory, visual, mm-hmm. kinesthetic and stories. This is how back the tribal, they listen they by play, song, mm. stories. It's how you learn. All my best teachers back in the day that I know who taught me, one of my best ones, Dr. Mr. Nicholson at Lola, he was a phenomenal history teacher because he used to act out everything. And I, I, I'd be like taking in, I'd take it yeah, all in yeah. compared to someone just giving you facts and figures. And so as you're telling stories, I completely agree oh, with what you're saying. You always remember your PE teacher. Yeah. If I said to you now, you know, am I allowed to say the school you went to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so at Bancroft, can you remember who taught you PE at Bancroft? Yeah, yeah. You remember your PE teacher? And why is that? Because it's very much, it's, you know, it's physical activity, it's active learning. Yeah. Now, I, mean, t- I remember it even for about Mr. 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 Agora at Loyola, because <laughs> he was like, oh, and it was, it was brilliant. Because it, you yeah, never always. forget your PE teacher, you never do, and they, they, that's a common trend. And now, it's because of the way people learn that, yeah, okay, we old school way of thinking, we used to pigeonhole that, yeah, you're an audio learner, you're a, you know, imagery learner, or you're a writing learner. But now those lines are more blurred. And now we can really customise learning by simply stripping it down, going into maybe looking at personalised learning and what motivates that person. It's more, you need to pay more attention into the motivational climate of your team or the individual to get the best practice out of them. Now, if you can tailor that around personalised learning, so their own experiences, combine that with active learning or experimental learning, then you've got key attributes, not just for an elite performer, but somebody who's going to succeed in life. You know, experimental learning, we're talking about problem solving. Now, that's a key asset, whether you're going to be an elite football player, rugby player, tennis player, or whether you're going to go in the city, you're going to be banking, or if you're going to be a teacher in the classroom. You know, and then that experiment of learning also develops your social skills and your psychological skills because you're learning more about yourself. So kind of, you know, I tailor what I consult to the schools based around active learning, experimental learning and personalised learning, but there's so many other learning traits um, you know, I'm looking to try and bring back a little bit of constructivist learning where people now, or students, athletes that are 16 plus, because we're focusing more around apprenticeships and there's a big government trend around the apprenticeship levy, um, is getting these guys to learn on the job, but come back and reflect back in. And then that's what, you know, the FA do that with their coaching badges. You know, you go out, you first so have your class So you can critique stuff. Yeah, you, 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 you critique it, but you find yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're not just, it's not like a driving test. It's not like black and white rules, this will get do. Actually, working in the industry, working in the field, you learn more about yourself as a person 
and then that develops you as a coach, teacher, or a player. Mate, look at any heroes throughout throughout any legend story. They all break some rules on the way. I tell you why. Like if you look at this, like it's the thing. Albert Einstein said, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's always going to think it's stupid, of right? Course, yeah. And so if if you've got different people, different players as well. So even you look at a team, not everyone's got the same strengths. You've got some people that lead by example, some people that are vocal, or some people are, are quick, some people are strong, and they take all those aspects become a team. They're not all the same person. No. So how can you expect people to learn in the same ways when they're going to have different lifestyle experiences, different mental or emotional mm. capabilities? And so it's really really important. Um, and to get the best out of them, you then have to be putting the best in their body and you have to be eating well, hydrating well, sleeping well and it's going to be true. You know, you have to limit, have to be limiting these things that are coming on that are just detracting from them. So, for example, if a kid is looking at a mobile phone down all year, that's going, yeah. to, that's going to ruin his... It's going to ruin his... Uh, posture, posture his eyesight. Yeah, of yeah. course. So, have you seen any... I mean, compared to I mean, the youngsters that are really young, compared to like, the older ones, have you seen any difference in the last five years of, between concentration or between um, their structural uh, alignment or anything like that? I mean, maybe maybe too, 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 um, too soon to tell, but have you seen anything like that? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question because... I think what you what you see now is there's a there's a bigger diversity, there's a bigger demographic of young people that play sport. Um, therefore, they all come from different backgrounds and they've had different experiences, whether that's personal life, whether that's education, and whether that's the environment that they've been in where they've been coached. That ultimately produces these young people. But I can tell you now that in the last you know the last five years, there's a bigger spread of characters, characteristics that we're seeing in young people um, and young players, especially at the academy. Um, you're you're seeing a bigger gap now in the last two years in groups between the more able, physically able, more physically developed and the less able, physically developed. Now, there's loads of contributing factors to that, but lifestyles, you can't argue about lifestyles. Society in general, I think, like... When you got people as well, when you talking about before, when you got people as well, society in general, uh, this is why, like, everything we talk about on the show is always about personal development. So it's, it's about health, but it's also about personal development, self-development, growth, mm-hmm. any way we can improve our life. And if you've got society in general, like, who praises or gives success to these people that are, let's be honest, that are stupid, shows like Love Island, for example, and like Towie and all these things, this, this, this is just, this, if you be honest, like, no one aspires to be like these people. They watch you because it's car crash TV. But you've got society imaging them and they get given good stuff. Or they see their favourite players that are not actually doing much in terms of, they're just going to huge amounts of money and it's all bling, it's all flash. And there's nothing, there's no substance there. They never get even. They never even really get shown the story of how much hard work it took to, to get them there. Mm-hmm. Like this is what people don't understand. To be a top player, or look at but all they see is it's all the gleam, all the all the bling, and, and they don't realize. That's why a lot of even the, the younger players that make it or think they've made it go straight back down because yeah. I they, mean, you, you know, you know, we, we've grown up in the same area. We you know we know the same people, but the group of people that we've been with that are professional football players, and you know, there, there's six of them that we know very well. You know, there's two of them that are playing Premier League at the moment, really good guys. But what you can see from when we were growing up and you saw that, you saw the, the kind of extra work and you saw the focus. Now... Comes with family values as well, right? Of course it does. You know, there's a, there's a huge element of family values. There's a huge social element that needs to work on. And this is why football clubs need to be aware of that. 
And the FA, you know, they've got a four, the four corner process, which is brilliant. You know, you know, the four corner process gives coaches a structure to follow through. So you're looking at what was the physical development of the player in that session, psychological, social, and technical. But you need to take that a step further. Now, this is something that, if I had to be honest, you know, what I learned at Tottenham, Tottenham was fantastic. This area, you can start making this this club, this culture of bringing through young talent you've never seen anywhere. We've seen it in the, in the last five years in the Premiership, their team, I'm a massive Arsenal fan, it pains me to say it, but their team <laughs> looks, their team looks phenomenal. And they sit there and, I mean, one of the guys, and look at all their team, a young player, they bunch, I mean, I forget how young Harry Kane is, he's like 24, the mm. guy, right? And this is someone who, he wasn't really getting a chance, when he got it, he took it, but the reason he actually got there, being someone who knows about who, what he's been taking nutrition-wise, the guy, Never gets, he rarely gets injured. If he does, he's straight back of him. He's very, very quickly back. His diet is phenomenal. I know he used to buy off the companies to work for and uh, work with, I should say. And uh, his diet, he, he can't really into his health. He's got his own sauna. He's got, he's got his own chef. You know, he takes these things. You never see him out in the, in the headlines drinking and stuff. But he's got somebody helping him with that. So yeah, he's, of course. He's, yeah, he's got yeah. somebody. And this is where I think that it's a big, it's a big missing trend. You know, football players spend millions on their own individual consultants. Now, if a young player coming through an academy system has a better understanding of diet, nutrition, psychological stuff, I mean, because they're going to be put in stressful situations and you're seeing that there's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out in the, in the, the tabloids. Yeah. Well, yeah, with the tabloids soon, like talking about stress, well-being, life after football, life during football and how you deal with anxiety, self-confidence, loss in self-confidence, motivation, group dynamics. Now, if you can train and work with young people around them and you can now, this was something that I did at Royal Russell. You, there, you, you can develop these guys with a life skill from the age of, you know, I was working from year seven, so you're looking at 12-year-olds through to the under-18s, and it's not just about football. And I think that's the biggest thing where you can get lost, is to have the bigger impact as a coach or be an effective coach, it's being able to develop a person as a whole. And if you develop a person as a whole, you'll see them develop as a player. And that's how you grow talent. Oh, oh, straight away. I remember that. I know my my school. One of the biggest influences of my when I was at Woodbridge in Suffolk, not even around here for the last two years. And I went on to help him coach at Ampleforth, which is a prestigious boarding school in Yorkshire. My coach is Richard Thorley, and we would be talking about rugby, but we'd also be looking at great motivational speakers. We'd be looking at uh, different ways to learn, going about. And it's all mm-hmm. such interesting stuff. And it was a and that gives you passions in different areas, and it gives you a purpose, and it gives you something else. That and you said it can't just all be about football because then what happens when football goes? You've got to get you know marginal gains is really important. And I come from a performance analysis 100%. background, and I completely understand that. You know, I'm, I work on figures, and I can you know I compare them figures with visually what I see. Now, if a young player understands his diet, understands his body, understands what he should be doing for recovery, physical development and take ownership over what they're learning and why they're learning it, then that player ultimately has more value. Now, this is the reason why Tottenham do that so well, because it's not just about producing technically able players. They're creating young players as a whole. Their education officer, Trevor Webb, is one of the best guys in the business. And he, he he's developed one of the, the best life skills programs for like the 14 to 18s that you know can't rival anything. And it's all about being creative. It's taking these guys out of the box. I mean... Look at us now. Like we learn better when we're taken out of our environment. Why? Because it's an experience. You know, if we sat down and had this podcast, you know, in the park down the road, well, you've never done that before. I've never done that before, and we'll probably learn from this experience mm. over again. Now, that's what I really like doing with my players or people that I consult for. Is that I don't just sit with them in the classroom. I take them out onto the pitch. Mm-hmm. 
I might sit down with them on the pitch. I'll take them away from areas that they're used to and that they're used to stereotyping against in order for them to learn. Now, coming up with those weird, wacky ideas is the best thing. And, you know, I was talking to Trevor last week and one of the things that he'd done, which was really different this year, was that he took Spurs' under-18 scholar group and he sent down to the local falconry. Um, and in him and Dave Bastian, who's the, the, the psychologist there, um, they went through the importance of actually the history of birds. You know, Tottenham, the cockerel is the emblem and taking them to a falconry to get these young kids that have never even seen a falcon before, let alone have one on their arm, to then walk them through the history of the importance of birds and the culture of where they came from. You know, why is Ra in Egypt the, the god of gods? You know, why is he the seen as god? Well, it's because he was a bird in the sky and he could see over everything. He was the closest thing to god. You think like even a Horus, but is it Horus? I think it's a Horus, sun. sorry, not it, right. Yeah, 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 I think it's Horus as a yeah. sun god, right? No, you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is, this is like the Egyptians. I mean, that, and, and I hunt, mate, this is... But these kids will learn that because they're 100%. so used to being in a classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone preaching to them, you've got to come out with something different. And this is how, but this is how you're going to deal with lifestyles. So everything I listen to on your podcast, all the guys that you talk to, two things. One is that you can hear the passion. Now that sells. If you're listening to anybody with passion, it stands out. Secondly, these guys with their culture of where they've been to that I'm listening to about, I mean, the one that you were talking talking about the other day with regards to um, gut nutrition. Um, who was it? Who was it two episodes ago? Two episodes ago. I had Paul Check. I had... Paul, uh, but even though Paul Checks, Paul Check was talking about yeah, the technology, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, he was talking about... I oh, know, that, uh, that was Jason Christoph. Yeah. Jason Christoph. I mean, like, that is a huge thing. And listening to Jace, you can hear how, like, passionate he is. And I'd love for somebody like that to come down... And talk to these young people, especially with myself, and especially with pro clubs, because we think technology we need to use because we need it for performance analysis, and there's ways of doing that. Um, the guys can reflect using performance analysis. Now, technology is a good way in instrumenting feedback, but using it as a social tool is dangerous. I mean, look now. I mean, you know, who, who was a, who were one of our friends the other day, and he can order a pizza via an app. So now you don't even have to talk to anyone. Don't have to get up and go don't, outside. Yeah, don't even have to get up and go outside. Mate, this it, is, this is bonkers. I said before, this book, I'm trying to get the author on of, of iGeneration. It's all about all the stats that have come out since the iPhone. And it was like, we used to see each other as friends like three to three and a half times a week. Now it's down to like 2.8, maybe even lower. Um, sex was usually up, it's down loads because people can just, people were, men are just watching Pornhub and they can just do that, watch it, have no responsibility, they don't have to see anyone. There's loads of these stats that have come out and it's this is the agenda they've got. We go into agenda twenty one, agenda twenty thirty, like trying to make everything artificial, so you get no because humans need social interaction, they need of to bond, and this is a huge thing, especially kids. Otherwise, they can just sit there all day, listen to, watch their phone, and not speak to anyone. What good is that? Mm. And people get depressed because they're looking at other people's lives on Instagram, thinking it's fantastic, but they're smiling in the picture, and behind the scenes, they're not happy. Suicides up bigger than any any other time. Where mental disease and mental illness is up. More. I said before, mental is highly intelligent, highly intelligent uh, race, and yet we're sicker and fatter than ever. Uh, and and so this is really important. We're teaching this to kids because if you want them to be the best performers, then they have got to be well. I mean, if I knew then what I know now different. oh god yeah and, and 100%. so and so but Tottenham are also they've got an organic garden haven't they organic food yeah so the food that they use the produce that they use everything's organic um, which is completely you know, that's completely new um, but there are other clubs that are jumping on it so have you seen recently that Forest Green well not recently it's been the last three years mm-hmm. Forest Green are a vegan club um, Pro Green which is you know it's fantastic to see things like that happening now and really you know only they're jumping on trends and cultures and there's a whole argument about about being a vegan 
But the fact that clubs now are more open to health trends than ever, they're willing to try because, again, it all comes down to their marginal gains to develop young players and yeah. develop their own team. The thing is with clubs, the same, same reasons, like, I know this is the thing with, with clubs. Um, it's very funny. We were talking about this before. Like, for example, if you've got players that are injured and they're on 300 grand a week um, and you've got coaches that are on 30 grand a week trying to get them, sorry, 30 grand a year, trying to get them fit, it's like, surely you should be paying those coaches that keep them fit good a salary as you're paying the players because they're going to keep them there but instead of that they get the cheapest people in to, to, to work a job all hours and so the really good coaches end up being independent and charging a lot of money consulting uh, I mean this is a talk I'm talking about from a conditioning or nutritional mm-hmm. so they come in and consult so with someone like you you're you're working but I know if you do your own thing I mean the sky's the limit but being in being in it is great, but they, they they do sometimes take liberties, these clubs, right? Yeah, but this is it's a performance environment, you know, and when I when I spoke to you know, I went over to the um football development network last year in, in Eindhoven and I was talking to one of the Barcelona coaches over there and you know, their salary scale for their coaches is almost flipped reverse. You know, the younger age group coaches get paid the most and have the most hours. Because ultimately, they're the most important coaches in developing a routine mm-hmm. and getting young people to learn faster at a younger age so that way that routine becomes normal. Now, that's the reason why their roles are really important. Now, you don't get that here. You know, we're, we're so focused around winning. We're so focused around results. And, you know, I don't don't associate that with Spurs at all because it's not about winning. It's about, develop, it's about developing a style at academy level. It's about developing young players that can play the style that represents the brand and represents the culture that is Tottenham. But you're seeing that in a few places. But I have worked in places. I've even worked in schools and seen things in schools. Well, where, how important was it to win at Royal Russell? Oh God, um, you know that was that was a little bit of a different situation. I, I came in with a reputation that I had, and I came in with a team that had previously won the national cup, and there was a huge emphasis on expectations to win. Um, if I had to be honest, like you know, I blocked that out, and I focused on a style. And like anything, you know, I, I just worked hard. I worked hard personally, and I worked my players hard. But we done that together, and it was a learning journey on how I wanted them to play, the style that I wanted them to play, but get them to understand why. So you're not just coaching; it's not just black and white. Where I'm saying I want you to do this, it's changing your language changing the terms to say you know what culture sort of thing I need you to do this what do you think to get them embedded in it so they're involved in that learning process and if it doesn't necessarily work out never say no but just say why don't you try something different perhaps this might work just really changing your language as a coach helps them learn makes them feel more motivated makes them feel more personalised around what you're developing and you know results speak for themselves yeah. we, we had you know we had one hell of a successful season um, you know, these boys I trained like young professionals in a full-time education setting. That doesn't happen anywhere. You know, we we look back at the you know ten thousand hours. Everybody looks at you know repetitive practice will make you better. You know, there's an element of that, but you've got to get the life balance. Now, my boys were in full-time education, doing A levels in an independent school. Some were doing a cam tech, which is very similar to a B tech, but still high academic standards in a school of that setting. I worked with the boys eight hours a week. I sacrificed my own hours, my own lifestyle to work with them, to develop them. But not just in a football setting, but also in an education setting. If they fell behind academically, they wouldn't train. And that would be my only consequence. You know, they ultimately they had to feel 
they had to feel that it was down to them. This journey, all I could do was offer opportunities. And we were very lucky. You know, we played Bournemouth, beat them 1-0. We played Sheffield United, had a very good game against Sheffield United, QPR. And ultimately, we put an independent school on an academy football circuit, which had never really been done at what, we, what we'd done at Royal Russell. And that model I know I can work, can work anywhere. And that, that's the reason why it's led me to the consultancy open. When I had schools get in contact with me saying, how am I doing it? Oh, you must have all the resources in the world. No, I didn't. I never had a free G-pitch. I'd be very lucky to have portable floodlights that worked. But you just had to really think on your feet, really problem solve, use the assets from your experiences. And you're talking sports halls, you're talking lunchtime, you're talking after school and practicing what you preach. You know, these people have to buy into what you're doing. Um, but as I said, the whole picture was there at Royal Russell. We looked at the lifestyle, we looked at the health, we looked at the education that would contribute to developing these young players. Um, and you know, the, I'm really, really sad that I left. You know, I'm gutted that I've left to go in the consultants because I would love to have finished off what I was doing with those players. There's some excellent young players there. You're going to get players coming out of Royal Russell that are not only going to have free A-levels or a distinction star at Camtech, that are going to have options to go to top universities, but also have professional football clubs looking at them. And, you know, I, I can't say anything bad about the school. It was, you know, they supported the process. And like I said, we, we proved everybody wrong that you can train at an elite level, elite end, and still study at the high end. Yeah, that, that sort of thing's been done in other sports. Like, so, for example, rugby. Is that mm, people, mm. people at university and stuff. But football has been quite old school in that. It's always been... You know, you, you come out of school, you play football, or you have an education. Whereas this is this has got down into another it's another area now. But this is just talking about. I think in, it's in general in terms of developing youngsters as as yeah as almost a young adults. So when you were, when you were developing the kids at Will Russell, um, and you were talking about other areas of life, were they were they happy to do that? You know what they they bought into it. 100% they bought into it. And the was, it one, was there even challenges? Of course there was. There was challenges very much from players that were with the previous old regime, so second-year players that were, you know, played under the old cap, the old manager. Um, I, I got, yeah, I got very, very lucky there. You know, we think, you know, from my reputation where I've been and people that I've worked with, that, that sold. But the proof was in the pudding. But how did you get over those, those, those challenges? What did you have to do? Physical proof. Physical proof. And I used stats. I used fitness testing. Um, I used video evidence for them watching back in their own performance um, to show them that every little thing worked. And you know what one of the biggest kind of like one of the biggest contributors to that was was their health and well-being. It was their lifestyle off the pitch that they trusted to believe in. That ultimately the first tournament we went into, we went into. I don't know if you know, many of your your listeners will know. There's a there's an Eng, like a national six aside tournament. Um, and you play six aside on a full 11 size pitch, mm-hmm. which is taxing on your body. You play about 14, 15 games, and we've we done very well. We won it. We won the national sixes. Um, but not only did we win it, not one player in the entire tournament went down with cramp. Not one. Not one player in that team got an injury, a muscular injury, not even an impact injury. No, we we worked on a twelve week preseason to build up for that tournament and start the season. Now that was the rewards, and you know, little small gains, little things like players weren't allowed to drink out of plastic bottles. We didn't look at things like that. Little things, looking at their diet, keeping them away from sugar, but educating them about sugar because they were still coming through that culture of you know what I need to lose before a game. Mm. No way, 
That was banned from the first day of preseason, even mentioning Lucas Aid. You know why? You see, they see their heroes like Steven Gerrard walk down. And, I mean, Gerrard was the one. He actually had to run off and actually go to the toilet because these things, these Lucas Aid would, would ruin his bowel so much. He actually had to go and have a to- uh, go to the, go at number two mid mid game and come back. And they, they see their, their heroes. But some of it's it. false. I know, I know, I know. I've worked with plenty yeah, no, of clubs where they're just getting paid to yeah, use yeah. the bottles. Yeah. Afterwards, he actually had. He actually. Still had the Lucas A bottle and had water yeah, yeah, in it, yeah. but for years they see that their players straight away after a game or before a game, and, mm. they do, and so the kids think. We well, look at Eddie Boyle. Eddie Boyle when he was at Spurs. I mean, one of his last ever games for Spurs, he was drinking a Red Bull can on the bench. How, how does that still happen in the modern game? Like I understand that every player's got their own routine, but this is the reason why it's so important to educate people on their own health and well-being, life after sport. Well, these these things, because well, they're so lean and because they're so fit, people think, oh, they must be good for them. They don't realise it's because they're running around all day and it doesn't matter what they do, they can put... This is why some of them, unfortunately, have got very ill. Um, they might be lean, but they've got cancer, IBS. Darren Fletcher had half his gut cut away because yeah, yeah. he didn't need to do that. And then, But also, I always say to people, anything that's advertised on TV, mm. stay away from it. This is... Millions of pounds been pumped into this. I mean, if you look at if, if here in the UK, even in America, you see the adverts they got over there, all around the world. If they're advertising it, I mean, they advertise things like Mars bar, dairy milk, for example. Yeah, they don't tell you about the chocolate. Well, they got they got a gorilla playing the playing a song. Someone's like, oh yeah, it's all the Coca Cola. It's the um, the, the advert at Christmas, you know. Mm. And it's not talking about their product. It's about how you feel because it, it makes you associate. Oh, if I have this, I'm going to feel this way, and I'm going to look like they do. Oh, yeah, they have got this beautiful girl drinking a diet coke, so I'm going to be cool, I'm going to look good, I'm going to feel good. Not in reality, you're going to be fat, ill, and you're going to look terrible. Uh, and this is like, and so I know you mean in the modern game, he's doing it because you know why he's doing it? Because he can do what he wants on 300 grand a week. And and this is why. Exactly, yeah, and yeah, also the clubs, a lot of times, I've said before, if they've got a coach, say I come in there, and I was on sixty thousand pound a week, and Adi was on three hundred grand a week, and I say. Uh, Adderall, mate. Uh, this stuff's toxic, poison, whatever. He's gonna say, Ryan, I don't care. I'm gonna do what I want. Mm, of course, he's. Whereas if I'm on in the club book and I'm I'm t- and I'm costing them 50, 20 grand a week to work there, they might start paying a bit of notice. Yeah, the biggest the biggest test I use is when I go into clubs and schools because I I work in both. So schools, I work with developing their sport, and in clubs, I help develop their education. My biggest test is when I work with preteens. I ask them to describe and explain what organic is. Because they, they should have an understanding at that young age, if they're buying something or their parents are feeding them something, it should be organic. You know what? They can't do it. Teenagers, ask them, what is, what is a probiotic? What does it mean to be probiotic? That is, I get blank stares. Now this is the generation, this is Generation Z coming through, that we need to make them aware of these key health issues in order to develop them as young people, let alone young athletes. And I'm, you're starting to see it now. You're seeing more student athletes go back to the student. It starts with student. It doesn't necessarily mean teaching them history, teaching them maths. It's teaching them life skills. Mm. Now, yeah. that helps with their well-being. That helps with their life after sport and will make them psychologically feel more comfortable knowing that, you know what, I've been offered a pro contract to QPR and I've got three A-levels. doesn't work, I can go to university. Or you know what, football didn't work out for me. I didn't get offered my contract at Watford. You know what, I've been offered, because I've done well in my A-levels, I can go to Nottingham University. 
or at least I've got a passion in something else. Yeah, exactly. I've got a passion, isn't it? Because I always say that formal for me. I mean, education, formal education. If I if I taught my clients with the stuff I learned at university, uh, they'd be more ill than they were when they come to me. But uh, I've had to unlearn everything. But it's not just about formal education. It's about education and a passion and and learning what you, what you mean. Going out there and having something else, and actually because that, yeah, I mean, you once you've got that passion for something, learning becomes very easy because it's it's not it's not a chore when you're learning stuff wait we're just going back if i was explaining stuff as well to kids at this this age and they're talking about the top the top level what's organic or whatever you got the main man out there like you got ronaldo who the guy is i think he's been injured about once in about five years the guy's in extreme he looks about 26 and he's 33 i mean obviously he's got all these things he's got the money to do this but He's the one who set out to, to, to have the healthiest body. He does promote a very terrible nutritional brand in in, uh, in Herbalife. But he gets paid a lot of money to do that. But if you actually go into his story and look behind him and what he does, it, he's he's like the ultimate professional with this. Everything he does is towards his health. You never see that guy drinking Nuka's Aid. No. Uh, and, and so, but if but, I was a young listener like listening to this who's involved in sport and wants to pick up chains, Ronaldo, Messi, Kane... Neymar, they all say the same thing when you talk about their life coaches or their life skills or what they do off the pitch. They say it's an investment. Mm. They invest in themselves. Now, that's what you have to believe in in order to get the results. You have to believe that, hang on, this lifestyle change, this dropping sugar, this dropping your pasta sauce, this dropping the type of drinks that you drink at home, it's an investment in you as an athlete that puts a price tag on you. And you've got to use that. And ultimately, it's the results in the pitch. I say to my clients as well, like this is it's an investment. It's why even when it comes to our programs, we charge what we do because, you know, it's an investment for you financially uh, and a commitment financially, but also when people don't invest, hmm. they're not committed. Learn the hard way. Give away stuff for free or for cheap. No one, no one, no one uses it. When you actually put the barrier out there and say, well, this is what it costs to work with me, Boom, they're like, ah, oh, okay. And it's serious because it means that they've actually invested themselves, they're going to do the work and they've got something to lose. If you've got nothing to lose, it's easy. You can just like poo-poo it and it's not a problem. You know, it's, it's no investment there. But, but when you do those things, it shows how committed you are. The top guys have done that for ages. They've always looked outside. Oh, as you said before, all the little gains, all the 1% add up. And if you've got like one, 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 all of a sudden you've got 20%, that's a big, that's a huge difference. Um, it does take discipline. It does, it does take breaking away from the mould of watching the same rubbish that everyone else does, eating the same way that everyone else does. But, you know, if you want to be like everyone else, act like them. If you want to be different mm. and live a different life, you know what, you've got to start doing differently. And it comes back to exactly what we said at the very beginning. You know, we've gone through a journey tonight of talking to you about the, you know, the young people that I've worked with through to, to men. People forget that young children are intelligent. Like I told you, three, four-year-olds, they're picking up iPads and they know how to use iPads and computers better than mm-hmm. our generation now. Mm-hmm. So then they can be taught. They oh, can God. understand. They're unlimited potential. But then that's a bit of our culture, looking back, is, and you're seeing it now with the parent circles, that ignorance is bliss, and that's honesty. That's me being honest, and that's my own views from what I see and the parents I hear, that they don't, because they don't know about the impact sugar can have on a culture of an individual's learning or an indi- their kids in class. Even their bone structure, density, everything. Everything, but because they don't know about it, they don't want to practice it. They might think, you know, well, maybe too much sugar isn't great, 
but that keeps my kid happy. But you need to see a long-term jelly of it. You can still have a healthy kid and be happy. Still complete. And we've seen that. Oh, yeah, I mean, my, yeah. you know, my sister with my nephews is a prime example. You know, and my brother-in-law. My niece and nephew get re- like get looked after. They eat organic food. Stay away from fizzy drinks and sugar. And you know what? Happy kids. Hmm. I mean, sugar, I mean, you give them a lot of time. It's like a... It's almost like a bribery. Oh, I'll, I'll be the kids like making a noise, and okay, I'll give you sweets if you're quiet. Mm. It's like no, 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 no. You may get that every now and again, very, very rarely. It, it's like the kids are talking to this, but um, who was I talking to about recently? I think it was Sarah actually, and I was saying it's like the kids rule the roost. You need to change this. You know, like the parents rule the roost. I said before, it's all good saying to the kid do this or that, but if you're not doing it. You, they'll just do what you what, they'll just be this is why we all turn like all have traits of our parents in us because we're all learning off them the whole time and so to break that mould and to actually understand them to grow it's a big thing you know hey one of the biggest things that I learned when I was out in Sweden um, I worked with a coach um, I, I won't say his name but one of the first things he said to me as a young player growing up you know I, I played out there when I was 16, 17 was you only are the five people you hang around with most mm. and he said to me look if you want to be the best football player, you need to hang around with and train with the best players. Because you could see a group that I was with in the team that probably I shouldn't have been with. And that's the reason why he said that. And then I've carried that with me everywhere I go. The people that I'm close friends with in the industry, I'm, I'm close friends with them because I'm constantly learning from them. Now, if I'm learning from them, it's only going to add more value to me and my business and what I can offer to my clients. And that's only it, you know. The reason why we act like our parents is because you know we've been with our parents for nineteen years, living the, living at home in the nest, and you pick up traits, and that's only what teachers, coaches, and the reason why we need to practice what we preach is because we're seen as role models. We have a greater impact, and a lot of the one-on-one stuff, like I did with you the other weekend, the reason why a lot of parents come to me and say, you know what, John, I want you to do one-on-ones with my children, is because they come to me and say, you know what, I've tried my hardest, they won't listen to me. Now, understand everybody's got their limits and you know what? Pass them over and I will do everything I can to teach them something they never knew. Now, that's like a dog with a bone. And then once they've got that bone, they want to constantly learn. And that's just breaking the ice. The, the reason that a lot of the time we, we fail with pick close members of a family, this is why like people even come to someone like myself or and certainly you to learn because you know the ego sometimes, when you're dealing with close people like your family, even if it's why you should never say oh by the way just don't eat that it's bad for you because their ego will sometimes just eat that stuff to prove you to prove to you yeah, that yeah, they yeah. can live without you even though they know that you're right and so that's why so you come up with a different way you go oh by the way I've learned this about this if you want mm. you have a different way to come out about it don't but, press that button yeah, yeah don't press that button that's what they're going to do right they're going to exactly, press it yeah. and so this is why we've got to come back from a different perspective I just want to talk what was the there was a little thing talking about you know because you were talking about we always talk about this as well when it comes to learning you were talking about the other day there was an argument a little bit of an argument in the football industry around about because I know you do things mm. you do things um, with your players I was a big proponent of this I think it's very important to learn skills even like even even nowadays as, as, a, as an older person people say you can't te- teach an old dog new tricks you can it's just what gets wired together gets fired together you need to give it attention attention to detail and practice and keep on doing it you can do it it takes a, a bit longer but there was an argument saying for your guy saying that oh the one on one stuff is pointless it should all be it should all be games right but yeah. for me that's rubbish because in a game situation you're not going to be worried about you're not you're not going to have enough time or anything like that to learn a skill you're going to have to just worry about the game whereas 
if you give enough attention to detail, I had it when kicking kicking coach on rugby. For, year, for we practice without any, anything against us, so you got that pattern down. So when you're under pressure, you can perform it, rather than just going into a game and trying to perform something under pressure that you never even learn. You know, there's David Dave Aldrin. I'm getting him on a podcast sometime soon. He's got a book called Performing Under Pressure, and he's talking about this because you need that that time to practice, right? No, of course you do. I think nothing's black and white. So yes, you need to be put in that environment to learn from that environment. But the bigger picture is, you know, we in the, in football, for example, we strip the game back, and we used to believe it or not, you know, when me and you were, were kids, we used to play eleven aside at the age of eight, all the way up until twelve. Well, now at least we brought in mini soccer to give kids more touches of the ball to keep them more active. Brilliant decision. But then what I'm seeing recently in a few arguments on on you know I say on Twitter is there's this whole debate around actually is one on one coaching purposeful? Is it fit for purpose? Now, now my opinion is of course it is. You know, you're yes, you're working on repetitive practice, and there's an argument that repetitive practice is the father of skill. But breaking that down into scientific terms, I'm working on their motor control. I'm working on their muscle memory and their muscular development. So the skills that they learn with me, not only does it build up their confidence because they might not feel comfortable to do that in a game scenario in a group setting, may not have the skill to do it. May not even have the skill to do it, and that setback will stop them from doing it again. Hundred percent. Like, you know, the crazy monkey theory, if you do something wrong and you slap that monkey, then they're not going to want to do it again. They're not going to want to practice it. (laughs) But you keep that within your own skill limit. So with the one-on-one coaching, I'm allowing them to express. I'm allowing them to feel and feel safe and confident to try and develop. But that's like saying, it's it's not, I'm just going off the cuff of this, that's like saying to someone who's learned the piano, right? Instead of having individual lessons, just go out and start playing in the orchestra. (laughs) Like, go on, yeah, start playing. Just listen oh, you to can't music do it. And try and work it out. Yeah, oh, yeah. you can't do it. What, you, you've crumbled in front of the yeah. audience. What, shock, you know? Like, of course you need the lessons. The same yeah. with the language. And the more you do it, the better you get. And then you can start going to a restaurant and ordering your food. You're not going to go straight into a restaurant and start ordering your Spanish if you haven't learned it, are you? But the difference, like, the difference between that is obviously the individual. Mm-hmm. So football and rugby, very much a team sport. So yes, our kids will learn if we send them to our coach with 12 other players. But the children that work with me... It's a personal experience. They're going to learn faster those skills and techniques, but also the movements, the key movements that I develop them in change of direction, motor control, balance, and agility. You can see, right? Yeah. And so like, the you other day when movement. we were doing something, there was like, look, so I used to have it. When I coached, my mum went to teach in Ampleforth with Richard uh, Forley kicking, some of the guys, you'd see something, you go, okay, just do this differently. Like, oh, oh, just put your foot here. Like you saw me do a few things the other day, and you were like, oh, just lean your. Which before you come into this, set yourself lean and made the skill so much easier. That's something you're not going to get if you've got 12. And so, 100% one on one coaching. I mean, it's cool, it's got to play. Everyone, every top athlete I've known at the top of their game, Wilkinson had Steve Black, you know, um, like he'd be with him the whole time. Like all these, all these top players have these generally mentors that are with them because they can see certain aspects that, that no one else is looking at and and it's so important I mean, look at all the Olympic coaches they got their coach they got the long jump or the sprint coach they got their individual coach looking at their start they even break it they break it all day it's not just, just go and sprint it's like you start you finish and you mm-hmm. hit your drive and you pick up it's the same with football or it's the same exactly. with any sport so when you're doing that it comes once again into breaking things down working, working on that aspect and then Obviously, it comes into learn as a whole, but 100%. It's live feedback. It's live feedback. It's in an environment that, you know, there's a lot of one-on-one coaches out there. And there's some brilliant one-on-one coaches out there. You know, I I currently, you know, I work for a company called PDA. um, Sawickis and Hurst, he's one of the best one-on-one coaches out out there at the moment. I've learned so much from him. 
And I develop my practice on my, psycho- my psychology skills, on learning theories and learning skills that I put into young people, and I combine that with technical development. Now, that's the only reason why that, you know, I've been doing one-on-ones now for three weeks, and I've gone from having two clients, you know, close to having 10 within three weeks, just through word of mouth, and I've not even marketed it. It's because the parents and the players can see and feel the development. And you know what? Most important thing, they're enjoying it. Of course, mate. You've got to enjoy it, mate. And that's a huge thing, mate. If you're not enjoying it, you're not going to go back, right? And uh, that's that's what happens to a lot of players, even at the top level. They, they get into it and they're like, it's not fun anymore. Uh, and that's a big thing, mate. And um, no, I think that's a great place to... Uh, to leave it there for today mate because we've covered a lot a lot for people to take in and if people want to find you John where's the best place um, is it on Instagram H, uh, H2D Sports Management yeah so Instagram is um, yeah H number 2D um, so H2D Sports Management or on Twitter uh, H2D SM um, or email? check on the website yeah the email is, is jhyhyalt at h2dsportsmanagement.co.uk cool man no awesome thanks for John thanks for popping in mate thanks for sharing oh, your experience we'll get you back on there and uh, later on in the year and to see how things are progressing cool no thanks thanks for your time I awesome, really man. appreciate it Cheers, awesome so guys and girls that was John Hyatt from H2D Sports Management um, you can find him on Instagram or at his website they mentioned so any of you looking for coaches uh, for your, your children um, around football etc in the Hertfordshire Essex London area give John a shout he's a phenomenal phenomenal coach with a great philosophy someone I can definitely vouch for he's going to um, give everything you, you or everything he can to help improve your your child um and you know that's a great great conversation because john's been around a professional professional setups he's been around the private school setups he's also done individual stuff and he's seen what's going on with children now he's seen uh, how to develop people and how to develop people as as a uh, as a whole and not just concentrating on the aspect obviously if you want to make it professional any sport you've got to put a lot into that but you know developing as a whole person and actually having um different life skills and having different skills around different sports and and he said working on their motor neural skills and everything else is going to is going to greatly enhance them as an all-round athlete so it's phenomenal uh, to get john on share his experiences and um, we will be getting him back on the show don't you worry about that um so I've got some great interviews coming up. We've got uh, Susan Mayer from uh, Bye Bye Blue Sky coming up talking all about chemtrails and nanotechnology, which is going to probably blow your mind. Um, and we've also got Thomas Staveley from ancientpurity.com uh, coming up and lots of others. So that is all coming up really soon, guys. Um, as for... As for us, as always, any chronic conditions, head on over to www.reviveyourself.co. We've got a free four-day mini-course there for you if you're dealing with any sort of chronic um, chronic illness. And if you're looking for some one-to-one help because your issue's been ongoing for a long time, it's a long-term issue, then send me an email at ryan at reviveyourself.co or head on over to www.reviveyourself.co and click on the contact and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. I've got one space open at the moment in our program. So... As we go into that, um, yeah. Otherwise, guys, as always, any feedback, let me know what you what you think. Um, like, comment, share it for us. Any five star views you can give on on iTunes is great because it gets it out to more people, so we can share this information and get this personal development, natural health message out to as many people as possible. Otherwise, as always, guys, keep well, stay happy, stay healthy, 
and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today. 